Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Now, recently we have checked in the situations in Syria and also in Iraq. Uh, we could, of course, soon uh, check out the uh, ongoing conflict in Yemen. But one of the forgotten situations, the scenarios that were so prominent in the headlines for years, is Afghanistan. Uh, however, recently, international donors pledged more than 15 billion US dollars in financial support for the Afghan government. South Korea is one of them at this meeting, vowing to contribute 120 million dollars between 2017 and 2020. We can now bring in Mr. Mick Lawrenson, the country director for Afghanistan at the United Nations World Food Program, who is currently visiting Seoul and is on the line. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, yeah, Afghanistan is. The forgotten country to a certain extent, isn't it? Unfortunately, yes, but we're doing all we can to bring it back in the limelight again. Can you tell us how challenging the situation is? I mean, I could read numerous recent reports. Loss of life and US military personnel, the Taliban reportedly holding peace talks, though, with the Afghan government for the first time since their leader was killed in a US airstrike early this year. Uh, while a suicide car bombing also took the lives of 14 people, including 10 police officers, after the Taliban's announcement to launch a large-scale attack on the capital of southern Helmand province. Uh, you know, it's a very complicated and mixed situation, clearly. No, very much so. Um, you know, only, only a week ago, there was fighting in six different provinces, so the military are extremely stretched. Uh, you have ISIS coming up in there. We also have the Taliban and different groups, criminal gangs. Um, the government are doing the best they can. But remember, we've also got winter coming, which brings its own problems. Many areas are cut off, so we have to try to pre-position our supplies beforehand. And when you have conflicts going on, roads are closed, it means it's pretty hard to get things from A to B sometimes. Just as an aside and out of interest, is, is there any danger of ever having to choose a, a, a lesser of those two evils in terms of the Taliban and, and IS? Well, the Taliban we've worked with before in, in the past, uh, and we were able to function uh, as an aid organization, obviously. IS, it's a, a new animal, if you like. Um, I don't think anyone's really sure how to deal with them. But when it comes to getting food to people, you have to drop that... Um, common sense attitude of being, I guess, outraged and disgusted by the IS reports you read elsewhere and just focus on how you can help people? Uh, correct. I mean, we, we negotiate through and with the local communities, uh, local authorities when they're there, uh, and we do the best we can to get supplies through. Sometimes we're successful, sometimes not. Can your efforts be abused by some of these groups? That's always possible, but through our, our own monitoring, we are able to find out what's going on. Uh, we also have uh, hotlines that the beneficiaries can call into. So if things are going astray, we will soon find out. Uh, we make it very clear you know, what the beneficiaries are supposed to uh, be provided with. So if they're not getting it, they will get in touch with us. So, and through our yeah. third-party monitors, we do get to know what's going on on the ground. And I'm curious how you build up those networks. H how does that work? Pre presumably over time, but... Uh you need to build trust, and uh, that works both ways. Of course. Now, we've been in Afghanistan since 1963, so we've had uh, plenty of experience there. 
But as you say, it's sometimes a slow process. Um, you know, we have to go through government uh, officials, the mayor, uh, tribal elders. And as you rightly said, we need to build up trust and confidence. How um, did you respond to this major meeting in Brussels with all these international organizations from 75 nations coming together and pledging support for Afghanistan? Well, I think that's more of a political question. Um, I believe the responses was uh, better than expected. The international community has made it quite clear that they're there to support the government. And I think for my own personal take from the meeting is that they've given them political support. Yes, they're going to, to contribute to help, but the ball is now in, in the government of Afghanistan's hands. So they have to prove uh, and do what they said they're going to do. So the support has been uh, extremely good, I think. I mean, you're now visiting Seoul. You can see what a developed country this is, the amazing transformation that's uh, cliched now from Korean War down in the uh, doldrums to uh, economic superpower. Are you pleased with this $120 million donation from Korea? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we take Korea as one of the success stories. It's not so long ago that WFP were actually providing assistance in, in Korea. Mm. Now they're one of our biggest donors. And look at what's been happening on the villages, uh, the self-help. It, it really has um, been a tremendous effort and a lesson that we need to put it over to as many countries as we can. Now, there are a lot of political questions surrounding Afghanistan, which you know, perhaps you're not in a position to answer. But one thing that does link what you're doing together with those political questions, perhaps, is providing aid. That act of, of making people feel a little less desperate, uh, presumably also lowers the chance of them being radicalised. Um, one would hope so. Um, you know, we do give hope out there, and we, we try to bring in programmes within the whole UN family and the NGOs, um, Red Cross, etc., we try to give hope to people and there is a future. And we try to leave behind something that is sustainable. And when we provide food for training, school feeding, supplementary feeding, and food for assets. Mm. So we are trying to leave something behind that's you know, sustainable. How unsafe do you feel being in Afghanistan on a regular basis? Uh, well, I guess I've become used to it. Uh, working in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria, other places. But we are aware of the situation, and we do not take uh, unnecessary risks. We make sure that our staff are trained. Uh, as soon as they come into country, they have to do a, a training course here. There's training throughout the year, and certain things we have to do. So we are as prepared as we can be. I mean, what, what can you be trained for, though, to avoid being uh, captured by IS and, and becoming the latest you know, awful, grisly image that we see when, when they capture aid workers. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, when we do go out in armoured vehicles, whenever we travel around, in some cases we do use escorts, military or police escorts. Um, we do not take unnecessary risks. We find out what's going on uh, ahead, uh, so we are aware of the situation. We do not put our lives at risk or the lives of the beneficiaries at risk just to get things through. So I think it's all down to uh, awareness of what is going on. You know, there are things called telephones where we can speak to people ahead and say, you know, what is the situation? We speak to our government counterparts. 
Mm. Is it safe? Can we proceed? You know, the government at the end of the day are responsible for our safety and security. And if they tell us not to go to a location because there's imminent fighting going to happen, then we don't go. You've got to draw those lines somewhere. Um, speaking of Afghanistan, broadly speaking, though, um, U.S. Special Representative for the country as well as Pakistan, Richard Olson, said that Afghanistan uh, relies on donors for around 70% of its budget. It has been pulverized for years. Uh, the culture, the rich culture and local economy is going to take a long time to get back on track. And that's if we had a peaceful situation. How long do you think it will take? Uh, I think it's a bit of an unfair question, actually. Um, you know, we're not a political organisation. But but based, you know, there, there is but just based on your experience as a human being on the ground there, because we, we don't have your eyes there, I'm, I'm not trying to force you into a political answer, honestly. I, I, I just want to have a sense of whether you see Afghanistan ever being a country that we can speak of in the same light as South Korea today. Yeah, I would certainly love to see that happening. I mean, the government are doing all they can. You know, President Ghani is pushing to get rid of the corruption. Uh, we all know it's out there. Uh, and the government are really taking steps. And I think most of this came out during the Brussels conference. You know, there is a pledge from the international community to help. But now, as I said earlier, the ball is in the call of the Afghan government. It's not going to be an easy job. Uh, we are hearing, like yourself, different rumours of possible peace talks with Taliban or parts of the Taliban. Mm. It, it's a good start. Um, one just has to hope that it goes in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, a crucial difference, of course, with, with the Koreas, where they, they were divided, and we might lament that division today, but it allowed South Korea to get on with development, whereas with Afghanistan, you've obviously still got this melting pot. And, you know, we wish you all the best there, and, and a safe, continued provision of food and key aid to those who need it most. Thank you very much. Mick Lawrence in there, at the moment in Seoul, but uh, is the country director for Afghanistan at the United Nations World Food Programme. You can offer your immediate response and send any thoughts you have on those kinds of efforts that Mick Lawrence is can carrying out. Pound a sharp 1013 for 51 per message. You can tweet us at EFM this morning.